We are speaking with uh, the one and only uh, Don Brewer of uh, Grand Funk Railroad. And as we say here in Montreal, uh, bonjour, Monsieur Don. Uh, comment allez-vous? How are you? Well, I'm good, Mitch. How's it going? Good, good. An absolute thrill to talk to you. I mean, you you are definitely uh, an icon of the music business. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. And, of course, Grand Funk is, is in itself an iconic band. Um Let's talk about this, uh, the, the recent tour that you've been on, the um, Some Kind of Wonderful Tour. It's wrapping up in, uh, in December. Um, let, let's, let me, let, let's start off with, talk to me about getting back on the road, because of course, uh, with COVID and everything else, it's been somewhat of a difficult transition from touring to full stop to let's get this motor running again. Um, talk to me about sort of getting back out there and doing it all over again. Well, it was it was a godsend, really, uh, <laughs> that we were able to get back on the road uh, for that year, uh, close to a year and a half that we were off the road. Right. Uh, we'd been touring, uh, you know, we'd been touring off and on for close to twenty years, and uh, you know, to sit at home for a year and a half was uh, pretty uh, pretty tough to do. It was, uh, you know, it, it, and it was it brought up the the ugly question, you know, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> is 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 that the end? Uh, and really, you know, it was, it was very depressing. I, I, I gotta say, I, uh, I threw myself into practicing every day and, uh, and working out and, uh, and <clears throat> staying in shape and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's 73 years old. I have mm-hmm. to have to keep, uh, keep everything moving. You gotta keep going, uh, yeah. keep, keep moving, loose, you know, right. So, you know, that, that was, you know, that was really what it was. But, uh, when, when it was, uh, evident that we were going to, you know, be able to get back on the road. It was, you know, it was truly like, oh, thank God, you know, right. <laughs> we can, we can go back out, and uh, and it's been, you know, it's a, it's been a little touchy, off and on, um, you know, every every now and then, certain areas of the country, you know, the health department comes in and says, oh no, you can't, hit, you can't put that many people in a in an enclosed area, you know, and so forth and so on. So, uh, it, you know, it's been a little touchy. We we've, we've been postponing, uh, you know, dates for this tour. This some kind of wonderful tour goes back to actually 2019 right and uh, and so uh you know it's a continuation of that of that tour now a lot some of these dates are being pushed off into 2022 so we're probably going to continue the some kind of wonderful tour uh, into next year so there you go <laughs> which, which is great now does it help you read did COVID help you refocus your your career in the sense that there's a lot of bands that talk about farewell tours and and we're done and I'm and I'm too old for this and it <laughs> and then you miss it you're forced to miss it and you just sort of go oh yeah I don't want to retire what, 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 no this was I well you know yeah it's 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 kind of you know it's kind of the question you know when you, when you get to our age you know yeah. and I, uh, I I I feel for you know Bob Seger you know who I played with uh, off and on for many mm-hmm. many years you know that he. He decided to to pack it up, and I, you know, and I go, God, you know what? What does he do with all of his time? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure he keeps himself busy in the studio and stuff. But still, it's it's really a it's really a kick to me to be able to get mm-hmm. on a on a stage in front of an audience and have and play songs for people. They they know what the songs are. They want you to play them. You know, it's like. You know, I, where where else do you get that? You ju- you just don't get it anyplace. You know, it, it it just doesn't exist out there. That kind of the feedback, you know, 
And uh, so, you know, yeah, I uh, I intend to do it until uh, until my wife and my daughter tell me, you know, get, get off the stage, you fool. <laughs> yeah, stop it. You're embarrassing us at this point. Now, um, <laughs> That's, right. The, That's uh, right. The tour when it started in 2019 was, of course, the 50th anniversary tour. 2021 is the 50th anniversary of that great Shea Stadium uh, show. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. To, to, to have five decades not only in the music business, but in the same band, the same brand, for the lack of a better thing. Because, you know, uh, it's rarefied air. There are There's a million guitarists in the States right now hoping for a break, and nobody will ever hear them. And you've got 50 yeah. years. Yeah, it's, it, it truly is. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm blessed. I mean, I really, I really feel that way. Uh, whenever I, you know, whenever I get down, you know, I always go back to that, uh, that feeling is like, you know, man, you, you've had, had a great life, you know, it's just, uh, uh, you know, nobody, you know, I, I won't say nobody gets this chance, but very few people get this chance to, to do what they, they decided to do when they were a kid. Uh, and they loved doing it when they were a kid and to do it your entire life. It's just like, uh, you know, that's, I think that's everybody's dream. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I count my blessings. I really do. Do you, do you look at Mick Jagger or or even, um, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to forget the MC5, uh, Wayne Kramer? Do you, do you look at those Wayne two? Wayne Kramer. And, do, do you look at those two when they dance around the stage at, at their age and just go, how the <laughs> hell are they do? Because, I mean, I saw Wayne on the MC50 tour like a year or two years ago, I guess. And he moves like an 18-year-old. I was like, my God. <laughs> Well, it takes work, you know. I, yeah. I mean, in, uh, from what I've heard, I you know I don't know uh, any of the guys in the in the Stones, uh, you know, personally or anything. But it takes work, you know. And from what I understand, you know, Mick Jagger, uh, he works at it. You know, he uh, he dedicates himself to it. You know, he, he he's a runner. Uh, you know, he he spends hours in front of a mirror. You know, uh, working on his dance moves. You know, and I mean, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't just happen. You know, uh, you know, pe- people have to have to, to have to put an effort in <laughs> to make it happen. And I respect I respect these guys for it. I really do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so do I. Um, let me talk to you quickly about uh, Max Carl and uh, Bruce Kulik. And I'll start with Max. You know, you go back 50 years. Uh, the, there was a voice to Grand Funk. There was a sound to Grand Funk. Um, how easy or difficult was it finding Max and getting that new voice in there? And and how perfectly does he fit in? Do you think? Well, you know, we've all got uh, you know everybody in the band. I mean, Tim Cash and Bruce Kulick and mm-hmm. uh, and Max Carl and, uh, and myself and Mel. Uh, we all love the music. You know, I mean, I, I said in an interview last week. I, I you know we're all Grand Funk fans. You know, so that's the that's the first thing. Uh, and then the the second thing is is that we've all got you know everybody in the band has this love of R and B. Uh, and, and grand funk is a very unique combination of R and B and rock. I think, you know, it's, we came out of Flint, Michigan, which was just a little North of Detroit. And we grew up with the Motown and, uh, you know, the muscle shoals and, uh, you know, stacks and uh, stacks volt and all of that stuff. Wilson Pickett. And I mean, that, that was, that was us. Uh, and when the transition came to more of a hard rock thing in the late sixties, you know, we were totally on board with that with Hendrix and cream. And that's really what we fashioned Grand Funk after was uh, those power trios, but we were doing it uh, in R and B spin. They they were doing more of a blues thing, you know, 
Hendrix and Cream, and you know, it was it was blues based, and uh, and we were R and B all the way, and we took that and cranked up the volume and put it on steroids, and that's grand funk, and and so to find a guy like Max Carl um, is uh, it, you know is truly uh, I didn't have to search for him, you know, it just kind of happened. It was one of those things that I think it was it was destined to happen. I I knew a guy with PV. Uh, amplifiers who was working on the drums, you know, and they made this really unique drum kit. And, uh, and Stephen Volpe was the guy's name. He came up with this idea for drums, and I I was working with him, and he introduced me to Max Carl. And uh, this was just at the time that uh, that Mel and I were discussing. Well, you know, we you know if we can find the right guys, let's go back on the road. You know, let's let's get it. And all of a sudden, Max Carl appeared in my life, and uh, and he's he's that guy. You know, he's that that blue eyed soul R and B guy. And, uh, man, he, you know, he knows how to nail it. So, uh, you know, that it was one of those things that just happened. Yeah, it really was. Uh, yeah. in the set list, you, you've been playing the 38 special song, second chance. Um, talk to me about including another band's greatest hit or big hit in your set. And, uh, and, and ultimately when are you going to throw rock and roll all night at the end of the set? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we, you know, Max, uh, Max is a co-writer on that song yep. and he, and obviously he's the singer, you know, yep. for, and he was the singer in 38 special at the time that that song came along. So when we, you know, first put this back together with Max as a singer, we kind of were looking for a way, you know, how do we, how do we kind of go about introducing, you know, Max, you know, to the audience without really having to go through the whole thing. Hey, this is Max Carl. He was with 38 special. And so, so we came up with this rendition of, of 38 specials, uh, biggest hit right. second chance, which Max sang and wrote. Uh, and that's our way of introducing Max to the audience, you know, and it, it's not, you know, we don't make a big deal of it. It's just like, okay, we, we just do the song. A lot of people kind of scratch their heads and, and go, but you know, but they know the song, you know, of course. It's, it's, they're, they're all singing along to the song, just like they're singing along to, you know, closer to home and uh, some kind of wonderful. So um, it, it fits in that, in that respect. And it, it gives us a way to introduce Max without going through the, you know, Hey, this is Max Carl. He was with 38 special. Even before that, he was with uh, Jack Mack and the heart attack. And, uh, hmm. <laughs> you know, but I so, mean, yeah. think of how wonderful it would be to go from we're an American band right into rock and roll all night. I mean, that would be a perfect, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a perfect way to end a set list. Um, well, since we're, since we're, we're talking uh, sort of about kiss, uh, talk to me uh, about the choice of Bruce, because when you look at what he did with kiss in the eighties, it was very much the guitar hero, guitar shredder kind of thing. There were some fast notes and there was a lot of technical wizardry going on, uh, which is sort of on the outside of what Grand Funk does. Were you concerned bringing him in that, that, that he wouldn't be able to have it? Or did you just know? How did you get to hook up with Bruce? <laughs> well, again, you know... It was it was life circumstances I right. think, I think you know and again Mel and I were you know in this we were in this this place of like if we can find the right guys then we'll go out on the road you know and it was it was one of those kind of things and so you know I just kind of thought a little bit about you know guitar players that I know and I and I you know and I Bruce came to mind because uh when I was on the road back in the 80s with Bob Seger Bruce was playing with Michael Bolton of all people in a band. Um, Blackjack. Michael Bolton was the uh, Blackjack. Well, you know, he Michael. Was he was Michael Bolotin at the time. On top of that, Bolotin. Yeah, yeah. Bolotin. Yeah, but he. Uh, <laughs> but he. You know, it, it was at the time. It was just Michael Bolton. He had right. a. 
he had a sort of a kind of a hit, you know. So right. Seeger put Bolton on as the opening act, and uh, Bruce, you know, Bruce comes out and he's playing, and and uh, you know, and many years later, I happened to uh, you know marry uh, my my second wife is Sonny Quinn. And she knew Bruce, you know, from the Michael uh, Bolton days. She grew up in Connecticut, you know, right. where uh, where all of those guys were, uh, you know, playing around in clubs and stuff. And so it was just one of those things where, uh, you know, uh, I was looking for a guitar player. And my wife and I were, you know, throwing names around. And uh, Bruce Kulick came out. And, uh, and I, you know, I decided, well, I'm going to send him an email and see what he's doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, see if he's busy. Uh, you know, and uh, he was he was working on a band called Union, I think, at the time. Right. But I think they were like kind of uh, on the in, on the out. You know, they, he, you know, they weren't getting along. Some something, you know, wh- right. whatever it was. And so I, you know, I approached him and said, "Hey, Bruce, you know, remember me?" This, this was, you know, quite a few years later from uh, when I knew him from uh, the Michael Bolton, Bob Seger thing. Uh, and uh, hey, this is Don Brewer. You know, I'm looking for you know a guitar player. Would you be interested in uh, doing a project with Max Carl and and uh, Mel Shocker and I? You know, and and he wrote me back. Well, if this really is Don Brewer, yeah, I'd be interested. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, he, thought it, he thought it was a spoof. You know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we and you know Bruce. Bruce is not just the uh, you know a, a shredder. You know, a, a heavy metal shredder. You know, of course, he does that very well. But you know he's please played with everybody and everything yep. and every style of music and again the guy is just you know he's great you know he he's, he he knows how to play anything virtually yep. uh, so uh, you know and and again he's a he's a Grand Funk fan he grew up you know watching Grand Funk at the Fillmore you know yeah. so uh, yeah uh, it was it was that it was that kind of a thing you know and, and again it, it it was the pieces you know kind of fell into place uh, and Mel and I decided yeah let's do this yeah. Yeah. and uh, we mentioned the the Shea Stadium uh, show I'm, I'm going to get back to that in a second but I, I want to just quickly go into into Detroit and since we're we're on the kiss thing uh, you know you have Amboy Dukes you have Dick Wagner and the Frost you've got Grand Funk you've got this whole scene and, and you've talked about the whole Detroit scene everybody talks about it what was it like when you started seeing bands like Alice Cooper with the theater coming in and Kiss with the makeup coming in and and, and taking over Cobo Hall? Were you just looking at that going, what is wrong with these people? This is really, <laughs> that's kind of, or you're like, wow, this is exciting. Maybe we should do something a little bit more flashy. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't go that way. I mean, I, I kind of looked at it more like, you know, well, it's it's just that's where rock is going, you know. It's right. going to theater. It, 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 it's definitely heading into theater. Uh, I I remember going to see um, Alice Cooper at uh, Cobo Hall, I think it was, and the opening act was uh, Edgar Winter's White Trash, and you know what a contrast that was, you know, between Edgar Winter's White Trash and uh, yeah. you know which was you know which was totally hard rock R and B. You know, blow your brains out that that kind of high energy stuff. Uh, you know, to Alice Cooper, which was, you know, this kind of more of a pop rock uh, theater kind of a thing. You know, and uh, you know, I came I came away from that going, God, I loved Edgar Winter. <laughs> yeah, I really did. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, all of the all of the you know the the Kiss makeup and the, you know the the theatrics. You know, with uh, 
uh, with Alice Cooper and, uh, you know, who, the guy from Black Sabbath, who, <laughs> Ozzy, yeah. you know, uh, you know, biting the head off, a, you know, a bird in front of the, uh, the yeah. record executive. I mean, I, I just I wasn't totally, down, you know, down with all of that stuff, but I understand it. You know, yeah. I totally get it. Hey, uh, just uh, just uh, on on an aside, uh, I just spoke to Ted Nugent the other day, and I know Ted uh, as the wild and crazy guy with the bow and arrows and stuff, but when he was with the Amboy Dukes back in that day and back in the Detroit scene, was he sort of wild and crazy, and was there a, a, a reputation with him, or was he just the Amboy Dukes and they played music? I mean, do, do you remember the name? Yeah, and, it, it, well, yes, I, I, you know, I definitely remember. And they, you know, they definitely had... Uh, <clears throat> Um, a high ego level, uh, right. you know, even at that time, you know, I mean, it was, it was that, that was, you know, that was always Ted. That was his thing. Right. Uh, it's just like, I'm the, uh, I'm the alpha male in the room, you know, and I'm the, <laughs> I, I'm the only alpha male in the room, you know, that's him, you know, and that, and that was him then too. Okay. Sure. Um, Shea Stadium. Uh, <laughs> uh, by, uh, by the way, I, I, I get along with Ted. Politically, we may not agree, but, uh, I'm old school where you can have a conversation with people you don't agree with politically, you know. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Shea Stadium. <laughs> uh, what I want to ask you about Shea Stadium is the fact that it was uh, your innovators because you, you look back in the 60s and rock was a club thing, was a theater thing, was an arena thing. And then the Beatles come out and they do stadiums and they were one of the first, if not the first. And then you do a stadium what was that like for you going from a dirty, sweaty, dank club into a giant open space with 50,000 people sitting there? Um, <laughs> was it was it difficult to adapt the show and adapt what you were doing? Was it like, oh, wow, this is the future? Or just just talk to me about that whole because it it was new. You know, stadium scared, rock yeah, was new. I mean, we were scared. You know, I mean, right. we, we were we were totally intimidated by the whole thing. You know, and and we had we we didn't go from clubs to to Shea Stadium. We we had been playing arenas and and uh, you know fairly good size you know places, not not baseball stadiums, but uh, that uh, it was very intimidating. You know, because uh, you know, number one, they wouldn't let anybody on the field. Uh, at that time, you know, I mean, have you ever been to a rock show where there's nobody in front of the stage? Well, that's, that's what that was, you know, here we are at home plate and the audience is, is way out and left and center and right field. You know, I mean, that they were up in the, in the bleachers, you know, I mean, they, they couldn't come on the field. Uh, so it was ter- terribly uh, se- separated from the audience yeah. and, and scary, you know, because it's just like that, that amount of that number of people cheering and yelling and they were like, they were, you know, avid grand funk fans. I mean, <laughs> just yeah. totally over the top. Uh, I mean, we had taken New York by storm at that time uh, with a billboard and, and Times Square and everything. And it, it, for us, it was, it was scary. Well, you know, I think I was, you know, maybe 19 years old yeah. at the time. And um, uh, it, it was, it was a big, it was a big deal. And uh, to enter, you know, the whole thing being tagged as, selling out faster than the Beatles. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, but innovators but I, in know, stadium I, rock. I mean, that's, that's, that's quite I, something. Cause... I, well, I think we were definitely innovators in arena rock. You know, I mean, True. we, we came into the arena thing, <clears throat> um, you know, coming out of clubs and coming out of, uh, Oh, you know, the, the Fillmore's and the Grandy ballrooms and those kind of places, you know, where, 
which were hippie, hippie kind of places. Uh, all of a sudden, we're playing uh, in in arenas, and uh, some of them, you know, you, you get out in Iowa and Nebraska and those kind of places. They were just rodeo arenas, you know. They had a dirt floor with bleachers <laughs> and a tin roof, and uh, you know the sound was terrible, the lights were terrible, and uh, you know nobody nobody was prepared to to present rock and roll to that number of people at that time. So it was, as far as innovation is concerned, we had to come up with amps. We had to come up with a PA system. Huh. We had to come up with lights that would fill those places because nobody had them. You couldn't just go out to you know, right. to Nebraska and hire some guy to, hey, we need lights and sound. <laughs> for what? Well, for an 8,000-seat arena. Well, we don't have anything like that, you know. <laughs> so it, so we, had to, we had to put it together and take it with us, you know. And uh, so as far as innovation is concerned, yes, we were definitely innovators of arena rock. I mean, we really were. Um no, but you make, you make a good point because all played. the rigging and all all the trusses and oh. all that stuff you, you don't think of that, but somebody had to innovate that, and somebody had to say, "Well, you know, you got to get these lights up." I never thought of that, but they didn't. You do. They didn't exist. True. You know, it, it, True. When we started playing eight thousand to ten thousand seat places, uh, the lighting system existed that was there, and and we played many nights like this. Was three super troopers up in the you know uh, three <laughs> spotlights. So I, I had one on me, one on Mel, and one, and one on Mark. That was the lighting system. You know? wow. That was it. Yeah. Oh, That's right. Yeah. Hey, you, you never think of that, but, you know, having started seeing shows in 1979 up to now, I remember, of course, how the advent of video screens slowly came in and right. the advent of pyrotechnics. Yeah. Like, I, I saw it develop into going from concert to show because now we don't go to concerts. Now we go to a show. Right. But but you're right. Uh, when you went from uh, clubs to arenas, there was also a transition. Never thought of that. Um, uh, that was yeah. There was there, there, nothing existed out there. You know, especially yeah. in the places we were playing out in the middle of America. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it, maybe in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles, you could find uh, those kind of systems, but not not any place else. Not not in North Dakota. Um, <laughs> let me ask you about the the live album and 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 I've always, by the way, I've always said to myself, you should have had a, an album called the Studio Album, but you never went there. But because uh, that would have been funny. Uh, but but the live album comes out and now we look back at it and, and it's revered as being this sort of true, original, sort of gritty kind of thing. But when it first came out, people went, oh, what what is this nonsense? But yet here we are. <laughs> but they did. Cr- critics didn't like it. You go back oh, into yeah. but you look, you go back into Billboard or, or whatever. And, and the write ups uh-huh. are not kind lost some of them oh, they hated us yeah, they, yeah they which is us. dumb you know i mean and it was it was it was too it was it was too pronged really i mean it, no and number one uh you know terry knight you know loved to ram everything down people's throats especially the critics uh-huh. and yeah. he and he loved to basically give them the finger yeah. i wouldn't allow interviews you know any you know no you know only talk to him you know the and the the, the spin he put out about uh, this band you know was to glorify him Yep. He was the Spengali, and we were his puppets. You know, and he put he hand, he handpicked us and put us out there, and he tells us everything to do, and he you know he you know he he made it sound like it was all him, and the critics hated that, you know, they, and they they bought it, um, and so they would come to a Grand Funk show, and they and they'd go, you know and they you know sit there and they'd watch all these people going crazy for what we were doing and really getting into it, you know, and they hated that too, you know, it's just. Uh, uh, because they just didn't, I guess they just didn't get it. You know, that why, why would, 
why would anybody like a band? You know, this bunch of puppets. You know, they're just puppets. You know, so <laughs> so yeah. So you were that, you were the original that, boy band. There was that going on, and, and, the, and the other thing was, you know, we didn't glorify our live album or, or our live recordings or anything else. It, it was raw. It, you know, what yes. you hear is what was there, uh, and it, you know, it basically just raw tracks. You know, done on a, on a on, you know, probably on a four track at the time. Um, and so, you know, that <laughs> you put the, you know put most bands in that position where they're just you know they're just putting out you know, their raw material. Well, you know, quickly everybody, everybody else that put out a live record, it was all doctored up, and the vocals were mm-hmm. redone, and the leads were done, and this and the mix, and then man, you know, and you know, it was just you know, so you compare that to what we were, and it, yeah, there's there's just no uh, no comparison with our album and that, but but the people got it, yeah. the, the audience got it. That's what they wanted. They wanted that raw, honest rock grungy sound and that's what we were yeah yeah and 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 it worked out great and of course we're looking at the 51 years later and people now (laughs) talk about it as being one of the greatest live albums ever because it was live and i'll tell you this there there was a band and i'm not going to mention the band's name but uh they were about to release a live album and i was friendly with the the band members and they said yeah we've booked uh so and so studio in la we're going to go record the live album next week and it's like it's like what? <laughs> it's like what? What are you doing? And uh, yeah. you know, uh, Aldenova uh, lives down the street from me, and I was at his house the other day, the other day in August. And he's like, "Oh yeah, this is where so and so band recorded their live album. They they flew in and they did their parts." And I'm like, "They recorded their live I'm like what? What? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so it's so disappointing." Um, and then uh, let's just quickly, <laughs> you know, listen. It's smoke and mirrors, well, now right? It's- now it's come around. Now, now it's come around to the. I mean that you know what you see on stage for a lot of the bands is totally recorded. It, it's yes. completely you know they're, they're sitting there, but they're basically just doing pantomime. You know they're singing along with it, yep. but they're playing along with tracks. You know they've they've got elaborate recording. You know recorded systems. You know and the and the you know it's just it's just totally canned. It's completely canned. And everybody goes, oh, they sound just like the record. Well, that's because that's basically the record. You're <laughs> this is the record. Yeah. Well, not to condemn anybody, but most bands, I would say a good 80% of the bands that are playing arenas aren't 100% live. They're, they're, oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're, oh, they're, no. ju- they're just not. And, and right. uh, similarly, I was at a sound check uh, two years ago and the band was actually pumping in crowd noise so that it would make it sound. <laughs> but at, 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 at um, at, at uh, sound check, they were like, okay, you know, check the bass, check the guitar, blah, blah. And then they're like, okay, check the swell. And I was like, check the swell. And they started pumping in the crowd noise. And believe it or not, during the live show, you would hear it pump in as they were trying to yeah. get the audience cr- cranked up. And, and I'm just like, wow, we're faking crowd swell. Uh, Jeez oh, Louise, God, yeah. we have reached I a know. new low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know that's that's where things have gone. You know, and, and you know, and people, you know, people generally don't pick up on it. They do. They they'd rather just go along with it. You know, so it's. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where it's gone. You but know, you know and what? I I enjoy a live band. I I I love hearing a live band. You yeah. know, and that's I mistakes and all. <laughs> there you go. There's a perfection in the imperfection. That's what I'll say. But I, but I, I'll, I'll quickly play devil's advocate and say two things. First of all, at the price of a ticket, you know, 200 bucks, 300 bucks for some of the higher end arena acts. You know, if I've paid that, I don't want to go home thinking, 
oh my god there was feedback and the drummer this and the that and the bro- broken yeah. stick oh, yeah. yeah i want to go home and say what a great show and and yeah. you know from the band's perspective with social media you don't want to be like oh look at don brewer he screwed up it's all over twitter you don't want that so <laughs> so i i can sort of see it from both ends that it's sort of a happy yeah. medium because social media will crucify the bands and if it's not the fan goes home pissed off that he paid 300 bucks for a crap you know yeah you know yeah. well i still prefer a live I, I show still, i still prefer, I, I prefer a live show i mean uh, you know i i don't I don't mind a little enhancement here and there, you know, and I can always hear it, you know, it, but, but it's, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather hear the imperfections. I really would, you know, and, and if somebody messes up good, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it may, it's live, you know, it's live, you know, that's what it's supposed to be. You know? right? well, I agree. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the mistake. And when I'm at a show and I hear a mistake, I go, Oh yes, it's live. Yes. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> now, Thank- you know, I, when you get into recording stuff, I mean, uh, our first three albums, you know, right. uh, on time, grand funk and close at home have <clears throat> mistakes and all on them because at that time, we didn't. We weren't given years to record. No. Uh, you know, we we were. You know, we had to record basically within a week. You know, uh, and so we would rehearse everything before we'd go in. We'd cut the tracks maybe a day or two days of tracks. Do overdubs on the third day. Uh, do mixing on the fourth day and be done on the fifth day. You yeah. know, what I mean. And so, you you just didn't have time to worry about mistakes. <laughs> so you left the mistakes on the on the records. You know, I mean. So, uh, and, and that was okay too, but as far as I was concerned, you know, I, huh? as long as it wasn't so glaring that it, you know, it distracts the person from oh, completely away from the song, you know. So, uh, and there was also the inconvenience. You're like, oh, we made a mistake. Who wants to get the razor blade and cut this tape? And you're like, not me. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, just leave it. Yeah, yeah or just yeah, leave I, it. I was never, <laughs> I was never big of the of the perfect recording thing, you know. And and when you know, it's. It, when bands started taking years to record albums, I, you know, I, I said, you know, count me out. Yeah, tap out. <laughs> well, you know, and, and yeah, you, you go back to the Rolling Stones or to Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin and all, all these bands that recorded albums basically like in, you know, a day. You yeah. listen to them now and you go, oh, that's full of mistakes. But that's what we love. Because now you yeah. hear an album and it's so sanitized. You go, where's the where's the vibe? Where's the. Where's yeah, where's the vibe? Right. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, that's what that's what I look that's what I look for in in in, uh, in recordings, you know, or bands or anything. It's like where I want the feeling. I want I want to, I want the feel. I don't care about the mistakes. I don't care if somebody's singing a little bit, you know, flat or sharp or you know, if it's not perfect, you know, harmony. And I mean, I, I that I think that's great. I mean, that's just kind of what it's all about. I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's. Um... And I'll give you a perfect example, and then we'll we'll wrap up. But the the Scorpions on the, one of their very first albums have a song called "They Need a Million," and you hear the fingers on the guitar going up. So it goes ch-ch-ch-ch. It goes all all through the song, and it's it's. You would think, wow, that's kind of irritating. But I try to imagine the song without those finger parts because I, I I just know that that you can hear the, the you know slow, and it's just like you know today they would have they would have sanitized that they would have pro tooled it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's it's so strange to hear it that it's actually endearing in the song. You're just like, no, that song needs that 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 chord right. change. Anyway, it's it's fascinating to see how far we've come because that never would have passed muster. Now they would have just said, get that out of here. Right. It's terrible, you know. Yeah. Put yeah. put some uh, 
put some uh, whatever uh, uh, synthetic strings on and get those. Uh, anyway, uh, the homogenization of rock and roll. I mean, that's uh, it's to, it's like the malls of America and the shopping and the, you know and, and now the malls are going away too. But it's just it, it's just everything's the same, you know, and and everybody's making music the same. It's like I, nobody, nobody's stepping out of the box and going, what about this? Yeah. You know, this is, this is something that hasn't been done before. <laughs> you know, let's, tr- let's go there. Nobody, nobody steps out of the box anymore. You know, they're, yeah, and, they're afraid to step out of the box. And it's so incredibly difficult to, to tell who has, uh, you know, the character from one band to another. My, my daughter, who's 18, listens to the rap rock, you know, or the rap stuff and, and will listen to it on Sirius and, for like 45 minutes, you just go, oh, that was one great song. He goes, Dad, that was 10 different people. It's like, oh, was it really 10 different? <laughs> really? Sounded like one really long jam mix to me because it's all the same little the sound effects and bells and whistles. And you're just like, hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I can tell Grand Funk from Kiss. Like I can tell The Frost from Alice Cooper. Like I can tell Ted Nugent from whatever, yeah, The Scorpions. Sure, yeah. But it's now. Obvious. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, now. Right. Yeah. Um. And then I guess we'll finish on this. Uh, we'll, we'll just quickly go to We're an American Band. You've, you've talked about it a million gazillion times. Uh, Poison covered it, which I, which I love. Uh, just talk to me about the importance of that song to you. And, and, you know, here we are 50 years later, or 50 whatever, 52 years later. Uh, you're, you're still playing. Well, it didn't come out 52 years ago, but you know what I mean. The band is yeah. still playing it, and, and 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 the fans love it. And when you go to a show, nobody goes and says, "Ugh, are they playing that song again? Can't they not change?" The-? <laughs> like it's rarefied air to have a song that you hear a hundred times and you want to hear it a hundred times more. There are other songs you just go, "Oh my God, can you just take that out of the set list? Enough already!" But not American band. It's just not American band. It's got the energy. It's got the, it's got, you know, I don't know why it has it, but it just, it just, it just does. does. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny you you brought up poison. I, I was, uh, my wife and I moved uh, a few months ago and I'm still unpacking boxes, you know, and I came across uh, my poison gold, uh, gold <laughs> CD, you know, cause they, they gave me a gold CD for that. That's great. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it's, it, it's just, you know, it just, it just has something to it, you know. And I, I remember uh, when we first finished recording the song with uh, with Todd Rundgren, and I, I heard it the fir- very first time I heard it on the radio. I just stopped the car, and it was like unbelievably how how it just come. It, it just sounds like a hit record, and to me, it still does. It sounds like a hit record. I don't know why, but it just does, you know. Yeah, and uh, it, it's and, just got that thing. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. Uh, growing up as a kid in the seventies, I knew the song way before I knew the band. It right. just, it right. just, it was in your space. It was in your headphones. It was on the radio, and you know, at some point, somebody went, "Who's who's singing that?" You just go, "I don't know. Maybe I should look it up." And you go, "But that song is just it's it's so big that it 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 goes past the band. It goes past the genre. It goes past the era. It's just it's just the song." And it's it's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it's uh, yeah, it truly is. And, and I remember when I finished writing it too, and uh, and we were recording it in the studio in, in Criteria in Miami. Yep. Uh, and we had some of the people from Capitol 
uh, that were chomping at the bit to get a new record out, you know, from us. And they came in uh, and they and they were in the control room and they, you know, were jumping up and down when that that song was played, you know. And I and I remember turning around and going, "You mean you guys really like that?" Yeah. You know, I mean, because you know, to me, I you know, I I didn't I didn't know at the time or hear it or whatever because it, it came from me. Uh, right. and, but you know, the, the reaction that they had to it was that, you know, it's like, it, whoa, yeah. they're jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Last question. Did the record company after that become a real pain in the ass where they'd say, so, um, can you write us another American band? Cause I really <laughs> like it. Right. Cause you know, yeah. they do that, right? They, they, yeah. <laughs> I would love, you know, I would love to be able to do that. You know, it, you know, I, it's one of those things. I don't think I can, uh, you know, <laughs> manufacture or, or model it as they say. But how you know, many they, times did they take of, you into of the office? Modeling. Come on. Oh, well, you know. How many, how many yeah, times did the record company to... call you in and say, Don, listen, we love the new music, but we're not hearing American band too. Well, Come on. you know, I'll tell you, you know, <laughs> my, my biggest example uh, you know, that I can think of of that is that we were, we finished American band. We, you know, we had, uh, we had uh, American Band and Walk Like Walk Like a Man were big, you know, hits, top forty hits, you know, and, uh, and then we we're in the studio again to do a follow up, Shining On, and we had the album, you know, pretty much finished, but it, it, there just wasn't that song there that was the follow up to We're an American Band, you know, Shining On was, you know, it, it was a hit record, but it wasn't that hit record and it, it it drove us to come up with you know well you know let, let's brainstorm here what can we do and that's where we came up with you know locomotion grand funk doing the locomotion you know it was like a, a so a silly stupid idea and uh my god you know it it, it worked you know i mean that yeah. locomotion everybody thinks you know that thinks that's our song you know yeah. Uh, they they forgot about the little Eva version, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good, which which is the way they should like like the Beatles uh, with Twist and Shout. Yeah. People forgot that somebody else did Twist. The Isley Brothers did yeah. it. For, yeah. Anyway, it's just it's just funny because before Doug Feger of the Knack passed away, I had this conversation with him about My Sharona, and he says he goes he goes it's the Golden Albatross. You don't understand. It's paid for this house. <laughs> it's paid for the pool. It's paid for the car. I don't have to work ever again. However. Musically, it killed me because every time I went to the record company, they would look at me and say, That's what they want. I don't hear a My Sharona 2. Yeah. Go right, go go try again. And it's well, luckily for us, it wasn't it wasn't our swan song, you know. Yeah. I mean, we 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 went in another direction, you know, and uh, we did a couple of you know, to me, a couple of great covers, you know, with uh, Locomotion and Some Kind of Wonderful, yeah, absolutely, uh, you know, but uh, you know, but it, it's. Yeah, you you're constantly you know held up to that standard. You know when you when you have a song like that. For sure. I know. Yeah, no. You're yeah. sitting there going, "What do you want? You want us to be bad, or you, <laughs> you, you take the one song? Leave me alone." Anyway, uh, Don, absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm in Montreal. Hopefully, we will see Grand Funk uh, on the Canadian side at some point. Now that everything's open and ready to go, but uh, thank you it's for getting 50... there. It's getting there, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. We 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 keep our fingers crossed. You know, with our sound guy is. Uh, uh, it's from Toronto, you know, and so, uh, you know, it, it, it's been a little hinky uh, for him get, getting back and forth across the border. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're looking forward to getting back, you know, being up there. Yeah, I'd love to. It'll be great. But the, thank you for the, the, the 52 years of music. I know you broke up here and there, but let's forget about that. Thank, <laughs> thank you for 52 years of music. Thank you for still doing it and uh, just keep doing it. Uh, merci, thank as you. we say. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Yeah, great to talk to you. Thank you. You too. And we'll do this again soon. Cheers. Okay. All right, perfect.